My Love is Deep, a Peter Travis love story by Barbara Avon. From day one, I couldn't resist her. And as I smoke my third cigarette, I wonder if I could resist her now. After all these years, I know I still love her. But the idea of it seems crazy. Why would I want to reopen this old wound? Although we've aged, I know she is probably just as beautiful now as the day I met her. Just as passionate and loving. What if she wants to meet me to tell me something I don't want to hear? What if she just wants to show me how happy she is without me? Now that I think about it, none of this makes sense. Why would she wait all these years just to come back to me now? How does she know I'm not married? What if she's married? This last question struck the most fear in me. I couldn't risk seeing her again only to realize my love for her and lose her for a second time. My love for her was profound, obsessive almost. I never let myself imagine her with another man. I remember once, after she returned my ring, I saw her at the park at a picnic table with a man I'd never seen before. They were sharing a newspaper and he grabbed her hand every so often. She looked up and smiled at him. I became enraged. I startled myself, imagining myself tackling the man and pounding his face over and over. When I tried to sneak away unseen, it was too late, and Brianna waved me over. I vomited afterwards when I found out I was having homicidal thoughts about Brianna's cousin from Connecticut, whom she'd only just seen once before in her entire life. Now I find myself pacing the length of my porch, back and forth, stopping at the sound of a truck engine drawing near. I'm happy for the distraction. Although he has the name of a country singer, Trip Williams is an elderly man who has lived with his sister for 30 years. They're both in their 80s, and I'm amazed at his agility and never-ending supply of energy. He still drives, and in fact, has told me that being able to drive is the only thing that keeps him sane. Gotta get away from that old coot. You know, the other day she put my dentures in the microwave. Yep, just put them right in there with a little bleach in the water. Cleaning them for me, she said. I had to laugh at this because, although I knew his sister Claudine to be a sweet old lady, she was also prone to do silly things, like the time she unscrewed and hit all the light bulbs in the house to save on energy. Trip lives down the road and comes by every once in a while to give me Romano beans from his garden. It was September, so I knew it would be the last crop until next year. In exchange, I would go over to his place once a month and fix things that required the attention of a younger man, such as roof shingles or eaves troughs. He pulled up a few feet away from my porch and gave me a half wave as he was concentrating on the basket of beans he pulled from the passenger seat of the old pickup. A two small baseball cap sat on top of his head an inch above his scalp. He wore faded denim overalls and yellow fisherman's boots, and today he looked particularly chipper. Hello, Trip. Need a hand? I set down my coffee cup, but Trip just half waved at me again. For what? Standing ovations or for dancing monkeys? He looked at me, a serious expression on his face, and then burst out laughing. Just fooling you, old boy. I know what you meant. I surveyed the overflowing basket and said to him, These look great. Thanks, Trip. Can I get you some coffee? Don't mind if I do. He sat in my rocker as I went inside to pour him a cup of coffee, and against my better judgment, added four sugars and two shots of cream, as he said he preferred it as sweet as possible. Back outside, I sat on my porch steps and we were silent for a moment, enjoying the quiet for what it was. Autumn clouds were abundant in the sky, and the air smelled like something that reminds you of your childhood, a hint of burning leaves mixed with fresh-cut grass. Tripp took a deep breath and expelled it before speaking. Sure is pretty out here, 
Yes, I said. It is. How are things? Does anything need repairing? Just Claudine's head. At this, Tripp started to laugh. It didn't stop until it turned into a raspy cough. I waited patiently for it to subside. <laughs> no, son. Everything is a-okay. What have you been doing with yourself these days? The usual. Looking after the crops, reading. Tripp took a sip of his coffee. Mmm. Just the way I like it. So what's wrong with you, boy? I was taken aback by his question. What do you mean? You know what I mean. You're too young to look after the crops and read. You know what I would do if I were your age? I had a feeling he was going to tell me, whether I wanted to know or not. Probably be off exploring or something. Maybe Mexico. Hang out with some senoritas. Tripp laughed quietly to himself and looked at me as if I had just grown purple hair. So what's wrong with you? I'm fine, Tripp. I'm happy. You sure don't look it. How come you don't have yourself a lady friend? It suddenly occurred to me that I had never asked him about his past before. Mostly, I guess, because he rarely took me up on my invitation for coffee. Tripp, have you ever been married? He looked happy that I asked and slapped his knee. Shoot, son, you think I've been living with my sister all my life? I wanted to tell him that I thought 30 years was a lifetime. But I didn't want him to think it was a roundabout way of my saying he was old. He spoke before I could say anything. I was married 35 years. April 1st, 1940. It's funny. I never could remember the date when I was married. But I just told my sweet Anna I was fooling her. April Fools! I would yell when it became clear she was ready to put me in the doghouse. <laughs> Tripp chuckled softly at the memory. When I met her... I thought she was the sweetest thing this side of heaven. I was in the prime of my youth and quite the looker back then. I know you don't believe me, but I was, he said, craning his neck my way. Anyway, Anna was the secretary for my doc. A pretty prestigious position in 1939. It came to be so that I would find all sorts of reasons to see my doctor, some real, some phantom, just so I could speak to her. Turns out she kept finding reasons to see me, too. She'd call me up and say, Your test results are in, Mr. Williams. Time for another eye exam, Mr. Williams. We were two peas in a pod, heard me. I imagined the scenario and could picture a young Tripp sitting on the edge of Anna's desk, flirting shamelessly. I took her dancing, and boy, could that girl jiggy. Every eye in the place was on her. She looked like Rita Hayworth and moved like Ginger Rogers. When I asked her to marry me, I said, Baby, if you won't say you'll be mine, I don't think I can go on living. She thought that was very romantic. A few raindrops started to fall, but neither Tripp nor I noticed. As the story progressed, we both became enthralled. From that day forward, I was a changed man. Anna was my light, my life. We had three kids, but only two survived. She almost died in childbirth with the last one. Damn fool doctor said, I can take your wife or I can take your child, Mr. Williams, but one of them has to die. As much as I wanted my baby, I couldn't lose Anna. She and I could always have more children, and that's exactly what I told him. I couldn't imagine how Tripp must have felt at that time, and I had a newfound respect for the old man. Was she all right after that? I asked him. 
Yep, strong as a racehorse. Thirty-five years later, the Lord came and took her from me. She fell down the stairs in our home and broke her neck just like that. Jesus, I'm so sorry, Trip. I didn't know what else to say. Ain't nothing to be sorry about now. I made my peace with it, but back then, ah, let me tell you, it was like the devil himself jumped under my skin. Our kids lived thousands of miles away with their own families. I was just about the age you are now when it happened, and I thought, well, this is it. Ain't nothing left to live for. I entered a deep depression. Didn't eat or sleep for weeks. I just kept wishing for one more day. Tripp was quiet for a while, remembering, I suppose, his love and his grief. That's when Claudine moved in with me. Her husband died in Vietnam. Weren't for her old coot, I would have died. It's amazing what we don't know about the lives of others, their struggles, their joys. The love they have had in their life and the love they have lost is tucked away in the depths of their heart. I silently hoped that my story would not get lost with the years. But what kind of story is it? Even I didn't know how it would end. Well, son, much as I enjoyed my trip down memory lane, gotta get back to Sis and make sure she's okay. I worry about her, you know. I knew better than to try and help Trip stand from the chair, so I waited patiently, thinking about what he just told me. Finally, I shook his hand, and he shook my hand in both of his. Peter, if you're thinking about one woman of your own, the answer is always staring you in the face. If she didn't matter to you, you wouldn't be thinking about her in the first place, right? I didn't know how he had read my mind, and he was right. I nodded my head, finally acknowledging that I knew my story would always begin and end with Brianna. He gave me a final slap on the arm and nodded his head furiously, as if he had just had a profound revelation. Drive safely. I always do. He got in his car and drove off as he stuck one hand out the window to give his usual half-wave. I stood there watching him leave, and I realized with absolute clarity that it wasn't too late for me. I realized that I could have one more day. I like to think of myself as easygoing, riding the waves of life as they come at me, never really fighting the flow. In reality, it's an excuse for the fact that I can't make a decision to save my life. Brianna would become so angry with me when we were getting ready for an evening out. One night I had picked her up on a Friday on my invitation to get some dinner but I wasn't really sure where we should go. I worked 12 hours that day, and I was tired, but I wanted to see her. I had already dismissed five of my own suggestions for venues when she started to get angry. Who cares where we go? I'm hungry. Just choose already. What's wrong with you? Listen, B, I'm not a mind reader. I could use some input, you know. You invited me, Peter, so you should choose. I would lose my temper at that point and counter back much too loudly. Fine. I'll choose the restaurant. You just sit there looking pretty. Of course, B's passion extended past the bedroom. She stood her ground, waited for a red light, and jumped out of my car, not caring that it was snowing, and the walk home would take an hour. She was old-fashioned and liberated all at the same time. In her mind, chivalry meant having a plan when picking up your date, and God helped the man who showed her any disrespect. A little blizzard wasn't going to stop her from proving that point. But now, just as I knew my own name, I knew what I had to do. Yearning is a prison. The key to get out lies slightly within our reach. Only a fierceness of determination makes us stretch to grasp the key. Fear becomes an ally. It helps us stretch further. I was scared to death, but I couldn't wait another minute to get started. 
Although Carl would not approve, I had no choice. Logic seems to fly out the window when love is concerned. Tripp's story just solidified everything I already knew. Without a doubt, I needed to see her again.